You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, it is Wednesday, which means only one thing. It is a draft Wednesday here on the Locked on Network. And that means you can use our promo code LOBUCKS. That is L-O-B-U-C-K-S. LOBUCKS for Locked on Bucks. And that can get you a free play right now with draft as long as you you make a deposit over at draft and start playing over at draft you use the promo code l-o-b-u-c-k-s that will allow you to get a free play right now and what it'll do is it'll just give you a ticket that says this is your free play and you can just plug that into any three dollar game and on wednesdays we try to do three dollar games so you can come try to take our monday uh, come take our money and I almost said Monday, but you can try to take my money on uh, Monday as well. Invite me to a draft league, and I'll get in on it. That's fine. Uh, so head over to Draft Today, LO Bucks, for that free play. Frank, I was thinking a little bit about our results last week. Uh, our money got taken. Um, which yeah, I, I try not to think about my results from last week, but but go ahead. You did better than I did. You won a, you won a, a league last year or last week, right? So two weeks ago, I think. Oh, I think I, ago, I think okay. we both lost last week, uh, but. I was thinking about it, and in the last two weeks, we've had a number of the same people join uh, because people can like follow us in our drafts. So I will request this. If you've already played Frank and I, just duck out this week. Well, <laughs> what if we don't get anybody else? No, there's other people there. There's other. Okay. We both have enough followers now. Like because, like I said, you can go on draft, you can pick follow, and then you'll see all the leagues we create. You can create your own, and you can invite those people as well. Um, but I want, I want to have because uh, I was looking at it, and each of the last two weeks, I think we've played the four four of the same people. So I want, I want new people. I want to. I want to give someone else an opportunity to take my money because the, the guys that are in our leagues are too good in taking our money right now. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, so that's draft. It's a draft Wednesday. Have some fun with it. Come join us. It should be a good time. Uh, Frank, looking at this Bucks team, they have the Detroit Pistons tonight, a, a little bit of a homestand here uh, Wednesday, then Friday, Saturday for the Bucks all at home. And with this Pistons team, there's a bunch of stuff I want to look at. Obviously, a team that they've played twice. Uh, but before we do that, looking at the Bucks, obviously a frustrating night in Boston. In Boston, also an injury. And we were talking before we started recording. I don't really know what it means because Jason Terry is hurt. Um, haven't really heard an update on exactly what's what's going to happen with Jet, um, but I would assume he's probably out for Wednesday night. And he's out for two weeks, I believe. Right? Oh, That's is it the, two weeks? Yeah, I, calf strain, 
it's basically, I think Matt Velasquez tweeted, it's like similar to what Greg Monroe had oh, early okay. in the season. So, um, yeah, it sounds like it's a couple week, two week, three week injury. And yeah, as we were saying, I, I before we went on, I said, um, you know, I, I wish that this would mean that, you know, oh, Sterling Brown is going to get a chance to play. But um, it seems like it doesn't matter if the Bucks sustain like injuries to every other player at a position. Sterling Brown and DJ Wilson will not play. Um, probably probably no better example of that than DJ Wilson not playing in Phoenix uh, when <laughs> the Bucks yeah. had no had no power forwards and Jason Kidd still had zero interest in playing DJ Wilson. Obviously, Sterling Brown maybe has played a little bit more. I'd have to check if he's got. If he's got I think he's got a, f- a few more minutes this year. But um, you know, as we were saying saying yesterday, you know, it'd be nice to see what Sterling Brown could do maybe in a little bit more extended minutes, just because we kind of know what Rashad Vaughn is. We know what Jason Terry is, and love Jet, and he's hurt now anyway. So okay, you know, obviously there's no long term answer there, and we obviously also know what DeAndre Liggins is, and obviously Liggins has given them some predictability in terms of certainly defensive effort, but offensively, um, you know, sometimes he hits some threes, but mostly he's you know useless and can't catch a basketball, and that's just the DeAndre Liggins experience, and that's what he is, and you know, he you get a very specialist sort of value from him, um, and and obviously when we talk about sort of second unit struggling, um, you know, it's it's been hard finding the right combination of guys around the likes of you know Middleton, Brogdon, um, or you know if Giannis is out there instead of Middleton, whatever it is. So um, so it'd be nice to see. I mean, Sterling Brown is basically the the most untainted of the wings in terms of we we don't know that he's bad. Um, <laughs> He he obviously has you know pretty good pedigree in terms of being a guy who has um, some potential talent both ways and um, again it's not necessarily even that you're going to get high value from him this year but you know when you're not getting a lot of value from anybody um, it'd be cool to see a guy who obviously is young and and maybe has the opportunity to grow into that role over time so I, again I would love to see Sterling Brown get a chance to to play you know get you know a 15 minute stretch some night or get a 20 minute stretch some night and understanding that that may not result in you know uh, a huge return initially uh, but at least get him some burn we've he's obviously had some time playing the d league here and there or a g league here and there but um but yeah i don't know i mean i, I think it'll be interesting to see we've obviously seen plenty of injuries and certainly with matthew delvidova still hurt and his timetable being unclear um you know, if if the if Sterling Brown isn't playing now, if Rashad Vaughn isn't playing now, um, they never will. There's a very good chance of that actually being the case, and I just think a little bit about uh, our draft guy, our good friend Cole Zwicker. Every time that we've talked to him, kind of about it, about the draft, when we've tweeted with him, uh, I made a joke last week that anytime Cole sees something positive about Sterling Brown, he is going to like it. Uh, and it's not going to take long. And last week, I, I think it might have been Alex Lazary tweeted something out about Sterling Brown, and almost immediately after, and I think it was at the G League, uh, at the opener in Oshkosh uh, last week, he tweeted something positive about Sterling Brown, and I immediately on my feet, I could see Cole Zwicker like this, and it was ten seconds after uh, Alex had tweeted it, and that's a guy that Cole really likes. And again, Cole doesn't hit them all, uh, but. Cole was a big fan of Jordan Bell. Uh, Cole was a big fan of Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Cole was a big fan of Sterling Brown. So, again, you don't hit them all, but there's a lot to like there with Sterling Brown um, and smart people that I respect like Sterling Brown. So I would like to see 
Sterling Brown. Um, It's something, I mean, I'm trying to think back to when I did that fake PA announcer voice. I don't even know how many weeks ago it was like Sterling Brown. There's, there's minutes available at the two. It's, it's up to you to fill them. Uh, And we haven't seen him do that. Obviously Deandre Liggins stepped into that role a little bit, but it would be really nice to see him get a chance and just kind of hopefully fill that in. Because as we've talked about, it's nice that Liggins is an MFer uh, and gives the team a little bit of that edge and uh, can kind of help out in that way, but he's a negative offensively uh, and can really hurt some of those things. And even if Sterling Brown is, I don't know, 70% MFer on defense, at least he can give you something offensively. We've seen him hit corner threes. We've seen him create a little bit. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot to like there with Sterling Brown, and hopefully we get to see that at some point. And like you said, I don't know if there's a time better than than the present for it, especially with this J- Jason Terry injury. Yeah, I think you may have invented a new advanced stat, the percentage MFR coefficient. <laughs> um, so, so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, and, and again, I'm – I'm hesitant to even spend this amount of time talking about Sterling Brown because we're liable to not see him at all. Hey, you know what, Frank? There's a lot of other things we could be spending time on, and they're all going to make me miserable. So I'm more than happy (laughs) to think about the dream world that could be Sterling Brown getting a chance to play uh, in an upcoming game. So uh, we'll, we'll spend a little time on that. And also something that we might enjoy was we talked about it a little bit last night but now obviously we got a chance to kind of look at all the data and uh, go through everything a little bit closer uh, a little bit more thoroughly Uh, we're able to look at some of the the strange Giannis and Chris Middleton at center lineups and uh, the Bucks last night end up going the final let's see six and a half plus twelve so the final eighteen and a half minutes without a center on the floor uh no john henson no thon maker and they just went small and it it was really effective to end the third quarter fine for the final six and a half minutes of the third quarter the bucks were a plus nine with Giannis as the center um and then in the fourth quarter it was minus three in the first two and a half minutes or so uh then even for another three positive for the first or excuse me for the two minutes where Chris was the center and then minus three again when Giannis came back in uh, and was the center there so overall that's uh, what what would you decide a plus five overall a plus three with Giannis on the floor as the center and a plus two with Chris Middleton on the floor as a center so it do you think there's uh, it's something that we've always talked about something that We've always kind of fantasized about seeing Giannis play center a lot more, and it's something that we finally saw. What did you think of it, um, and what do you think of its viability going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, the, you know, the, the Bucks have yet to sort of figure out how to turn this into, you know, their version of the death lineup, right? It's, yep. There's not necessarily like an immediate payoff that they've completely figured this out, um, but obviously the potential is is clear. Um, you know, when you have Giannis out there offensively with with four guys who can hopefully all shoot the ball. And, you know, again, we saw him out there with, you know, it's probably the ideal four would be Bledsoe, Brogdon, um, Snell, and, and Middleton, <clears throat> that he's got spacing around him. 
and obviously Giannis, uh, even when the other team's center is is Al Horford, you know, that's again, that's that's not like some crazy mismatch by any stretch, but obviously Giannis went to work last night and was terrific um, for, for, you know, the vast majority of the game on offense going and just attacking. And, and I think Mike Prada from SB Nation said the Bucks were, you know, were 30 points on 23 possessions with Giannis at center, which is terrific. And yeah, Mike was like, I don't know why they don't do this more often. And, um, you know, we saw obviously last night there was the kind of fatigue question, which is always, I think, pertinent. And Matt Velasquez, I think, uh, had a, had a you know his, his post today about the Giannis at center lineups, and you know I think Jason Kidd has some concern about wearing him down a bit, playing him at too much at center, and I think that is a valid concern, right? That's why at the, least we know there's a line. At yeah, least there's we know apparently th- a line. There's a line now where you are concerned about Giannis being too fatigued. That's good. Good to know. Uh, yeah. Glad to get to know that there are some there, um, and you know, again, it's similar. Steve Kerr does not play the death lineup, you know, or even, yeah. you know, even when it first started, and you know, in its first incarnation, was unstoppable. It was more of a kind of here and there thing, like five to eight minutes, but picking your spots to sort of maintain, I guess, some semblance of you know, not forcing guys to to play, you know, these these different lines. Although, to be honest, I mean, you think about a few years ago in the, the first death lineup with Harrison Barnes and um, and that kind of iteration before Durant came. You probably had a lot more situations there where you were playing against traditional lineups, traditional big men. Like now, I think even in the short period, the league has changed enough that yeah. you probably see far, you know, far more teams try to go small more regularly. So, you know, it's it's not even so much a matter of like, oh, you're putting Giannis against, you know, uh, tradition. You know, you're not putting it out there against like Dwight Howard's of, of the world every night. If and you, not if even you just a, a Dwight Howard, like a Dwight Howard with a oh man, who's a traditional four like. Um, like it would be like a traditional five and a traditional four, like like right. a bruiser type of guy, uh, instead of even a stretch four and now stretch fives. Yeah, so it's just um, it's just a different game, obviously, right now. And um, you know, I, again, we talked about it last year around the finals. You know, the finals obviously are not necessarily the way you know the vast majority of games the NBA are going to go. But you know, a big reason why LeBron and KD were so dominant was because there was no rim protection. There were no big guys on the court for much for long stretches during the finals and. You know, it really did just become a matter of can you just outscore the other team and cover up the three-point line well enough and, you know, get enough challenges around the rim that, you know, LeBron or Durant don't get just uncontested layups every time. And obviously with Giannis, he fits right into that narrative. He is unstoppable one-on-one and for, for the majority of certainly bigger guys. And obviously the less rim protection that's out there on the other side, the better. And um, So we'll see. You know, I think I was looking at NBA Wowie. So far this season, I think 62 minutes the Bucks have played with Giannis at center, i.e. lineups without Greg Monroe, Thon Maker, or uh, John Henson, and they're minus two overall. So pretty much, you know, even. I think 111 mm-hmm. offensive rating, about the same defensively. So they've been very effective offensively. Giannis is a 73% true shooting mark in those minutes, 56 points according to NBA Wowie. So um, obviously Giannis has just you know gone off uh, and scored tons of points. And the Bucks probably, you know, especially defensively, still trying to figure out how you play both ends of the court at once. And, and last night, obviously, the fatigue issue was uh, especially uh, big just because of Giannis playing those extended minutes. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think certainly, I think the, the big thing I'd like to see is, you know, typically Jason Kidd just goes through this lineup. Even last year when we first saw lineups with Giannis and Toledovic at the big spots, it seemed to be just like a, oh, crap, nothing's working. Mm-hmm. Throw these guys out and hope they figure something out type thing. Um, and... Um, certainly, I mean, there's some validity in, in, you know, doing using it as sort of the break in case of emergency approach. Um, but I think also, I mean, there's just going to be games where it's like you just don't need 
John Henson or, or Thon Maker. You know, and we talked about, I think, in, in Dallas, which is relevant because the Mavericks are coming up again on the schedule here soon. I mean, if, da- if Dirk Nowitzki is on the floor playing center, what are you accomplishing with John Henson on the court or Thon Maker on the court? Um, I, I just don't think that's you're really giving yourself the best chance to win the basketball game. Um, yeah. Uh, if, if Dirk's out there without a traditional four next to him, um, you know, it's one thing if you had a traditional four who isn't spacing the floor and maybe, you know, Henson or Maker can guard that guy and, you know, Giannis can guard Nowitzki and, and be able to play in space. Uh, but if you're kind of just trotting out of center just because you always trot out of center, you know, I think you got to step back and say, well, what, what are we, what are we trying to accomplish here? You know, is there some value that a center is giving us in terms of, you know, rebounding, rim protection, um, you know, can they find some value offensively? And that's the thing, like the Bucks big men are not really the kind of guys who are going to exploit a mismatch offensively. Certainly a maker's not going to, you know, exploit a bad or small center uh, de- defensively. And, you know, even Henson, as much as he's got some touch, some ability around the rim, you know, if he's going out there against like a Dirk, the Bucks aren't really equipped. They're, they're not going to just put Henson and Dirk into pick and roll and, you know, have Henson kill Dirk down low or something like that. Like that's, you know, that's not really your offense. You don't want to, you know, just try to use John Henson to, to, you know, make your offense go. So, um, so I think that's the biggest thing I, I want to see around sort of center lineups. Not so much that you do run it all the time, but you know, just based on the personnel. I mean, what is the other team doing um, out there? You know, if you want to be reactive, um, at least. You know, kind of just say like, well, what is the center even doing it for us right now? And, and obviously, some nights if both the centers are really struggling, then it makes even more sense. But um, but that's at least one thing. And then certainly proactively as well. Um, you know, can you get to the point where you're confident enough that you can run Giannis out there at center and feel like okay, we can go build a lead rather than just try to erase a big deficit that we don't have any answers for? Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we've at least seen it in bigger doses than than a year ago, but. Um, whether that's you know, I don't. At this point, it's almost in part just not even a choice, right? Because the Bucks have only two centers on the roster, and obviously those guys are are not going to have it every night. Yeah, and I think I think the big thing for me is just seeing those lineups be more effective. Like I I think obviously you have to figure some things out, and you have to figure out who maybe the best pairings are. But you look at that that unit that goes the final six and a half minutes of the third quarter and you have Bledsoe, Brogdon, Snell, Middleton, and Giannis at the five, like that should be a unit that is very successful. And that should be a unit in that, I guess kind of in that time frame in that third quarter period, like some teams are going to be staggering some of their starters so that they can play most of the fourth quarter. Some teams are, are going to be letting some of their starters go and that's when their legs will start to go. Like, Maybe that's the time where, like you said, you're using that roster to build something as opposed to just trying to frantically catch up. And I think that's obviously I think that's the next step here is being able to find those moments and take advantage of those moments and make something happen in those moments. So um, obviously, I think we're both kind of excited about it because that is uh, the type of positionless basketball that is actually positionless basketball um, as opposed to saying something like that and then still playing very traditional lineups. So I, I'm I'm excited to see where that could go. I like that pairing. I was trying to think about other pairings that keep enough playmaking out there. Like I, I always think, and I would have to double check, I feel like there might have been a time where 
they've ran one of those lineups out there. I certainly know they've gone small with Jason Terry on the floor. Um, or Yeah, they've gone small with Jason Terry on the floor. And also, I think they've done it with Liggins on the floor. And to me, that's just wasteful. Like, they, like You're probably going to have a finite amount of time to use these lineups. So uh, use those, those most athletic lineups that also have some shooting in it and in those five to six minutes, like maximize it, make as much as you can by making as difficult, making it as difficult as possible for the defense to actually cover you. Uh, And then I think that's kind of where you'll see those lineups hopefully take off. So uh, we'll see if they can do that. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about offense, but defensively as well, you know, don't just try. And we talked about, I think a little bit last night too, don't, go small with Giannis at center and then just do the exact same thing that you do with Henson at center. So, um, like there should be a very specific game plan. Like you should be thinking, okay, if I'm going to go with Giannis at center, these are the things that we do. And again, that's something that you practice. That's something that you scheme specifically. That's something that you put a system in place that, okay, we're only going to do this for five minutes, six minutes, whatever it is in those minutes again maximize it and the best way to maximize it is by creating systems and creating schemes specific to that talent yeah and especially defensively right if you're if you've got Giannis and and Middleton defending pick and rolls switch them I mean you know that that's the value of of having small positionless basketballs if if your positions don't matter and they're interchangeable then just switch everything and um, you know, force the defense to do something other than, um, you know, just try to run pick and roll. And, and obviously, we've seen the Bucks struggle. And, and even with Giannis at center, you know, they were doing some some lineups. You know, they're doing some some coverages where, you know, Giannis was dropping, or you know, we saw Giannis get kind of caught in between and, and not be able to to cover Al Horford, who got you know a couple alley oops. So also as a rule, just go under a Marcus Smart pick and roll. Yeah, go just under, just go, go under it. Just yeah. go under it. There, there's no reason to go over it, so just just go under it. I, I think that would be probably the lesson that we learned from that fourth quarter period. Like, eh, just go under Marcus just Smart under. pick and yeah. rolls, <laughs> uh, and that'll make switching easier as well. Uh, who would have thunk it? Uh, so, thinking about kind of creating lineups and stuff like that obviously makes me think of Draft, our sponsors at Draft, always. I mean, we've had so much fun with their product is we get to kind of play a game with you on our draft Wednesdays. I know I'm to the point where I'm playing other days of the week. Like I'm being convinced to play sometimes on Saturdays and sometimes on uh, Mondays when those are NBA heavy. Like I'm just kind of getting to a point where I'm playing it all the time. And I think why it's fun is that your chances of winning on draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites. And you're just not going to be in these leagues where you get crushed by the professionals. Like there are people that physically that go out there and are pros at daily fantasy sports on those other sites and they're, they're not a draft. Uh, so go out and join draft today. You can download the app. You can go to draft.com and it's not just us. It's not just the guys on the Lockdown Network. More than 1 million people have already downloaded Draft. And like we always say, it's so easy, just five minutes. Uh, it's not going to take all that long for your draft to happen. No one else gets your players. You just do a quick snake draft, and it is done so quickly. So quickly, in fact, that every once in a while, if you get too busy doing something and you're away from your phone for a minute, your draft can start. And then you're like, oh, no. 
it's it's moving so fast. Uh, so make sure that you know if you join a draft, be ready to go because uh, it will happen so quickly and it's so easy. And they're filling up every second, so you can join whenever you want. If you're a new player, use the promo code L O B U C K S. Again, that's L O Bucks for Locked On Bucks, and that will get you a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit at Draft. Again. The Draft app is easy to download, and wherever your app store is, whatever kind of product you're using, whether that's a tablet, a phone, whatever network you're on, whatever it is, you can find it at whatever app store you need. Uh, you can download it there, and then you can also go to draft.com. Again, LO Bucks will get you a free play. Frank, as we're looking at Wednesday night, how do you feel about owning any of the Bucks in a draft league? Well, you can never go wrong with Giannis in a draft league. He's always one of the top couple guys. I I feel like the first pick usually comes down to, is James Harden playing? Is Giannis playing? <laughs> and then, I mean, I don't know if anybody else has, has mm. been able to touch those guys in I've terms made, of total stats. LeBron, obviously, yep. is, is, is usually right there. I was going to say, um, I've, I've had to make that choice before, Giannis or LeBron. And normally I go best matchup that night. Uh and I think every time I've picked Giannis, it's it's worked out well. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so I think it, it, we'll we'll see how this works out. Obviously, on Wednesday night against a team that has played at certainly a higher level than um, you know many of us have expected from the Pistons. I think they've had some bobbles here and there, but they've also kind of always seemed to come back and um, and and win games that you know are pretty impressive. Yep, they've got a number of impressive road wins. Um, right now, they're 11th in offense, 10th in defense. Um, so it's not like they're you know, kind of doing it just on on kind of one end of the court here. Um, they've been consistently above average uh, on both ends, and um, you know, certainly Andre Drummond's been a big part of that story. Uh, we talked a fair bit about him and you know his improvement overall. Not just you know, I think free throw shooting has been sort of the obvious thing. I mean, he's hitting sixty four percent. We talked about how much of that improvement seemed to come against the Bucks uh, in that first game. He doesn't shoot a ton of free throws, but um, he is a guy that you know is is adding a lot of value for them, and a guy who I think has answered a lot of the questions that people had. I think justifiably about you know well, if he's not going to be a high level defender, if he's not going to improve his you know offensive kind of skill set, you know how how does this guy kind of take that next level, reach that level that a lot of people had for him? And certainly one of the big things he's doing is is distributing the ball better. You know almost four assists a game this year. Again, not that he's some advanced level passer, but. Um, you know, we've seen that from John Henson at times too, operating from the high post with handoffs, um, little cuts, things like that. You know, if you have a center who, even if he can't stretch the floor, and certainly DeAndre or Andre Drummond does not stretch the floor, um, if you're a guy who can make good decisions from that that high post location, you can still get value from him offensively, right? And we talk about spacing is more than just shooting, right? It's passing, it's screening, um, it's crispness in offense and execution. And obviously, Andre Drummond is is doing more this year than he has previously, even if he's still not a really high-level scorer. He's still not ever going to shoot a jump shot, et cetera. So the th- nearly four assists to go with 15 boards, 14 points. You know, he's averaging 1.7 steals, 1.3 blocks. He's just doing, you know, filling up the box score. Another good guy probably have on draft <laughs> yeah. this year. And so he's been really impressive, and, and but certainly he's not doing it alone. And obviously, you know, a lot of people talk about Avery Bradley being added to the mix. He's hurt the Bucks with his shooting. Um, he's certainly not lacking in confidence, and when he's actually hitting some of the difficult shots he takes, uh, he's pretty dangerous, hitting 40% from three and almost 16 a game this year. And, you know, Tobias Harris has been has been very good, maybe hitting an unsustainable 46% from the field. Um, and, of course, then probably the last guy to really point out is, is Reggie Jackson. Um, you know, again, he's 
not playing at an all-star level, but is he playing closer to the level that he was at a couple of years back when he, you know, earned that big extension? Um, finally, he's sort of more in that area, you know, almost 17 a game, almost six assists, uh, 39% from three. So again, they're just getting, you know, good solid play from a number of guys. They don't have uh, an outright sort of traditional superstar. Obviously, you'd think that will ultimately kind of curtail their upside as a team, but at a minimum, you know, they're living up to at least the talent level, and I would say certainly playing above their talent level at 14 and 9 in the East. They're obviously one of the teams that the Bucks are chasing. I think they're at, uh, what are the Pistons in fifth at this point or fourth? So, again, these kind of games matter a lot because if you're the Bucks, you know, you're 12 and 10, you got a home game against a team above you in the standings that you're more talented than the Detroit Pistons. Like, Yep. Don't 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 at me. I don't think our, our I don't think our listeners are going to argue that. But um, you are more talented than the Detroit Pistons, and these are the games we saw them win one game at home already against this team. And obviously, these are just the kind of games like you got to go out and win these games. You know, you're not going to beat the the Boston Celtics on the road that often, but the Detroit Pistons at home. These are the kinds of games you need to win. Yeah, at this very moment, again, we're recording on a Tuesday night here. Um, Basketball reference is not updated. The standings, I do not believe quite yet. Uh, Pistons fourth in the East at fourteen and nine. Sixers fifth at thirteen and ten. In the Bucks in sixth at twelve and ten. So this is a team. Again, the other night we were kind of talking about levels and and where the Bucks kind of fit in the different tiers of the Eastern Conference. And I think right now they fit pretty clearly into a tier with the Pistons for sure. Maybe the Sixers and Pacers. I don't know if that would be uh, accurate, but they're they're all kind of in that range right now. Uh, and the Bucks need to, I mean, figure out exactly if they're at the top of that tier, if they're moving on to a next tier, uh, what they're all about. And we've seen some interesting stuff against this Pistons team. And one of the things I was reading a little bit about the other day was uh, just. Uh, and, and I think I'm trying to think who it was that was writing about the Pistons, but the fact that Avery Bradley cuts hard. And I, I thought it was an interesting thing to think about because the Bucks so often in the past have led the league in like scoring off cuts and trying to score off cuts. Like they, they've used cuts so much. And the, the discussion was that Avery Bradley cuts so hard that you have to take him serious at all times and that creates kind of a form of gravity where you see that cut happen and whether or not Avery Bradley can actually get the ball you you take it serious because he's going so hard and that has helped the Pistons kind of cut harder as a team and do some more of those things and I, I was just kind of thinking about all of that because in the I think it was in the fourth quarter maybe it was in the third quarter last night there was a play where Bucks get it down to the end of the shot clock and Bledsoe had done a nice job uh, on Kyrie Irving and they kick it out to I think it was Al Horford near the top of the key and then Bledsoe just falls asleep just totally snoozes on the rest of the possession Kyrie cuts behind him and I can't remember if Kyrie finished or got it and then uh, made an assist there Uh, but again when we talk about the defense and people don't like hearing about energy and effort and obviously after last night you don't want to hear about energy and effort but the, the energy and effort that I think is often overlooked is mental energy and effort. Like It's very difficult to play defense for a long time and remain mentally engaged. Physically, you may not have a problem. And a guy like Eric Bledsoe, he has no problems physically uh, with, with whoever he may be covering. Uh, with his speed, with his quickness, uh, with his strength, there's no problems there. But 
remaining locked in for a whole possession. And again, whether we see the Bucks run the the more conservative scheme that they ran in those three games before the first quarter of last night, or we see them run the aggressive scheme that they ran against the Celtics in the first quarter, you have to have that mental energy. You have to have that mental effort, and you have to bring it against this Pistons team, because if not, this is a team that'll hurt you. We've seen them already this year make the Bucks look silly, quite frankly, where they're they able to find skip passes. Avery Bradley was cutting all over the place and making life difficult on, on the Bucks. So they have a lot of guys that now do that sort of thing. And you mentioned Andre Drummond. They do some of those, that creative stuff at the elbows with some dribble handoffs where, again, you're just kind of always needing to work and always needing to be locked in. And that hasn't always been the case with this Bucks team this season. So um, I think that's definitely something to look at on top of looking at what scheme they run. Um, but on top of that, how locked in are they defensively? Yeah, and I th- was it Matt Moore that wrote the piece about I know. I think I saw Matt comment on Twitter. Maybe he was just reacting to it. Um, but um, yeah, I think there was some interesting discussion around. Um, uh, for the cutting. life of me, I can't remember. I should look it up. Yeah, yeah. But the idea of you know, just if you cut like you're going to get the ball every time, um, yeah. you have to be taken seriously in a way where, you know, otherwise teams a lot of times just, you know, are kind of guys are just kind of running through because that's what they're supposed to do. But they have no expectation of getting the ball. So the defender doesn't really have any expectation that they're going to get the ball. So. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see just, you know, again, I, I, first and foremost, obviously, you know, we haven't talked about hashtag scheme, uh, yet tonight, really, um, all the bucks, if you, I mean, so I felt, I felt good because I demanded that people follow all the bucks on Twitter like a couple <laughs> week, week or two ago. And I think he's like doubled his, his Twitter follower. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying that's me, but I was happy to see like more people following all the bucks he's been doing, um, tracking of the Bucks pick and roll coverages and um, has kind of been joking because now people are demanding he do this analysis for every game which is you know I don't I'm, I, I wouldn't call it a labor of, yeah it's a labor of love is, is really nobody loves pick and roll coverages this much but um, he did it again today and uh, about the Celtics game and um, also you know, can very, I say you don't need to do it like we 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 know shh, don't, don't you can do it you can do it i'm not going to stop you but you don't need yeah. to like we can we can tell when the bucks are running their their crap scheme like we, we know when it's happening <laughs> well yeah and i think the, the high level i mean he formatted this this very nicely so it's easy to read um but you know the interesting thing was you know according to his his sort of charting of the game in the first quarter the bucks blitzed nine times on pick and rolls the rest of the game they blitzed once in the first quarter uh, again, I don't think there's a it's a coincidence in the first quarter their defense gave up 145 defensive rating and allowed uh, let's see um, five out of nine threes. Nope. And the rest of the game as they kind of ramped down the aggression on the pick and roll defense um, as the game went on, they went more and more to dropping and switching. Um, it's just a pretty easy kind of story to see unfold and again that didn't solve necessarily their their weaknesses at the rim and at the in their strict area we talked about the the celtics piling up paint points um but also as we discussed you know as much as Giannis was not necessarily blitzing in the fourth quarter when he was playing center he obviously was making other types of mistakes the bucks were making other types of mistakes they were tired um there's obviously a lot of improvement there but either way i mean it's you know at this point i think we're probably preaching to the choir largely um and you know, unfortunately, the choir of one uh, or or a few of is the are the group that that is the coaching staff of the Milwaukee Bucks, and um, 
you know, we've been seeing this story for a few years now, and and obviously, I don't know if they've been begrudgingly having uh, uh, you know guys sort of drop off more and switch more, but um, clearly the story it, it would be difficult to argue otherwise that the aggressive, more aggressive version of this defense is more successful than the more conservative version, and it makes sense and history and the the data that that all the bucks and others and and just your eyes will tell you uh, certainly would back it up. So uh, certainly we'll be interested to see how they defend the pick and roll uh, against the Pistons I, I do recall the Bucks struggling especially early in games uh, they, they have struggled mightily uh, I you know I think we, we remember uh, in early in the game in Detroit one of those examples of Andre Drummond making good decisions out of pick and rolls and with the basketball um, finding I think it was Avery Bradley for a wide open three after yep. Bucks blitzed and made a quick pass to, to Drummond and they helped tag to try to tag on Drummond and well nope somebody else is open so uh, so yeah we'll, we'll have to keep a lookout for how how they handle that I thought um, you know, I think one of the things that all the Bucks was tweeting about today as well was how the Celtics did a really nice job of when the Bucks were being aggressive, their their role men were oftentimes basically slipping as soon as the as the Bucks were trying to run up to blitz. You know, guys like Aaron Baines were already running toward the, towards the rim and basically jumping the the play. You know, basically jumping the coverage yep. um, because they knew it was coming. And you know, again, uh, when you do kind of the same thing over and over again and it's not a great idea in the first place it probably only makes it worse um and good teams like the celtics kind of figure that out so uh, so anyway the, obviously the pistons have been a good team so far this year they've been solid on both ends bucks have seen that uh, bucks obviously saw a lot of threes against the pistons uh the last time these two teams played in milwaukee uh and still managed to win so again you hope that the bucks can kind of find some similar offensive success and maybe a bit more defensive tomorrow night as well yeah, man, I, I was just thinking about like, would would teams be unprepared for the Bucks to run normal defensive coverages? Like, oh, we got to get ready, we got to get all of our counters ready, and then all of a sudden, oh my god, what? what, what did John Henson just drop? Okay, we got to rethink this. Not that coaches couldn't immediately adjust to it, but it's just funny to think that in the first quarter, if you had decided to run the more conservative scheme, the more conservative scheme, excuse me, you wouldn't have seen all of those counters immediately used because there was multiple counters that they were ready for uh, with the Bucks aggressive scheme. So we'll see uh, what they come out in uh, on Wednesday night and we'll see maybe it'll change after the first quarter. Maybe it'll change at halftime. Who knows? Uh, that's part of the fun of watching the Milwaukee Bucks right now is diagno- diagnosing defensive schemes. That's, that's always what people are tuning in for uh, to get a chance to do. So if you ever wanted a chance to, to bone up on those skills, Bucks are giving you that opportunity. Uh, that <laughs> I think that's going to be it, Frank, unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about uh, with this Bucks roster. I, I think we hit a number of them. I'm curious to see who takes Jets minutes now. Uh, the rotation was just nine last game. Uh, who steps into that role? Is it actually Sterling Brown? I, I think I'm curious about the scheme. Uh, what scheme do the Bucks run? And then third, how do the Pistons adjust if the Bucks don't run that scheme, or how do the Bucks take advantage of the Bucks being aggressive defensively? Um, anything else you're thinking about? No, I think uh, again, just excited to see how the Bucks fare against a team that you know, as we said, is is a good measuring stick, and um, you know, the, these are the, the games that it's incumbent on the Bucks to win, and uh, obviously, talent wise, there's there's no excuses in games like this, and. All we can do is roll it out. You know, limited depth on the bench or otherwise. Um, I, I think this is obviously a team the Bucks should beat, and time will tell if they do. We'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow night. 
Bucks are 12 and 10 going into the game. They have a chance to go back three games over 500. We'll see if they can do it tonight against the Pistons. For Frank Madden, this has been Eric Name. Today's episode is on a Wednesday, which means it's a draft Wednesday. Head over to draft and use our promo code LOBUCKS for a free play when you make your first deposit at draft. So go over and do that today, either on the app or draft.com. This has been Locked on Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.